Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, and stories of West Seattle come together. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. In our last full episode of the year, we found out which records, breakfasts, and books made the top five of 2020 at Easy Street Records and Pegasus Book Exchange. In this bonus follow-up episode, Eric Ogresek from Pegasus shares his personal picks for top five books of the year. You know, I, I don't read as much as many of my customers, but <laughs> the ones that I do read and the ones I've read this year definitely sit with me, and these five certainly have. I'll start from the one I read most recently, and that's Ready Player Two, or the follow-up to Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. I'm a video game nerd, mm-hmm. <laughs> as are many of us are, but even if you're not, I think you'll like this book here. It kind of touches on three different worlds. There's a lot to do with Prince, a lot to do with Lord of the Rings, mm. and a lot with John Hughes movies. The kind of the idea is these people have to live a video game. This is VR-based, kind of future society where everything is really awful for most people, and they have their video games to escape, so it's not unlike what we have here, but maybe in 200 years what it'll be like, but this is where people can log into a machine and virtually feel experiences that others have, various things that we would never be able to feel, and then you have to go on a quest, and it brings the main characters to a few different worlds involving, like I said, Prince, Lord of the Rings, and John Hughes films, which was just fascinating to see a video game concept go through those kind of arenas in a VR base. So it was super fun book, super cool. And I've never played more video games than I have this year since I was eight. So I just sit at <laughs> home and, and play video games. So it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be Prince for a day. For real. And there's a whole Prince planet where every day he plays a different concert. You can go to all the venues. It's basically a planet that's created in this VR world where people can go around and experience Prince throughout all of his manifestations <laughs> and names. I won't give any spoiler alerts, but yeah. there's at least seven princes that pop up in this. And it wow. Was, yeah, pretty cool. Just watched Purple Rain, actually, after reading this part, because I hadn't watched it since I was a kid. Yeah. And it, I, I still don't like it very much, but uh, <laughs> I like Prince. Yeah. But the movie just made me uncomfortable, not for the reasons that most people are uncomfortable. Yeah. It was the, just, it was very, I forgot it was that dark. The performance parts are amazing, but some of the stuff that holds it together is kind of, hmm. Yeah, I don't think it would be allowed to be made anymore. You no. know, it's not very pro-woman. It was very different, but uh, hey, you live and learn. That's all we can do is get better. And the one I read right before it was a beautiful book by Silvia Moreno-Garcia called Mexican Gothic. It's kind of like a Lovecraftian tale taking place in 1950s Mexico loved the way it was written and the whole story because the story involved a lot of mushrooms. No spoiler <laughs> alert there. But yeah. when I found that out, I was so psyched. Yeah, really neat. It deals with topics of race, heritage, just how you have the power to change yourself oftentimes, even if you feel like you've got constraints from your family or other things. It mm. is oftentimes up to the individual in most of our cases to change and better themselves. Mm-hmm. And this definitely pointed that out, and I love the way it ended. It was like Lovecraft written by a, a modern Latina, and just she really nailed it. All her books are good. Y'all should check them out, too. And how do mushrooms play a part in the story? It will actually spoil it a little bit okay. if I mention it. The mushroom, There's a, a cordyceps, which takes over the brains of insects and various other animals. It might do that to other things, gotcha. like humans, maybe. <laughs> Something like that. That's not a spoiler, but without going too far, because yeah. it is creepy. One of my favorites also of the year, which was early on in the year, is The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. A beautiful story where basically a city comes alive. I think I mentioned two or three podcasts before of yours, but it's still number one. It's all set in New York City where each of the boroughs have a human manifestation that takes on the personality of the city or of the borough. Even though my city part wasn't represented well, Staten Island is well known for being the only red 
city, but uh, <laughs> they definitely hammered that home. They got Brooklyn down to a key, the personality. Jemison's just a great author. This will be the first of a trilogy. She writes tons of trilogies. Oh, cool. I wish someone would do something similar for the city here. Yeah. That would be great. We need a great new Seattle book. Uh, so those are my three fiction top five. And then I've got two nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Another one I think I mentioned two or three podcasts before was How to Be Anti-Racist by Kendi. Oh, yeah. Just probably one of the most important books of the year. I mm-hmm. feel like one of our bestsellers. Just letting you realize what life is like for the other part of the country, the people yeah. that have it a little different than us. It's just in a way that some of us need to hear. It's not always easy, but uh, if you pick up the book, you're going to learn something. If you don't pick it up, you're not going to learn anything. And yeah. I think a lot of people won't pick it up. The people picking it up are the people who don't need to, but <laughs> even if someone, I feel myself a good liberal, I feel like I learned a whole ton of things and how to approach. And even just by enabling people to say things that are offensive, by being quiet on it, you're being a part of this you know, racist system by not calling people out or by accepting friends and family saying things like this, we do have a choice to go along with it. And I'm a very vocal, loud person, so I put my foot in my mouth a lot. But I think people know my intentions are well, even though I might not say the proper things. But uh. I like to speak up when people do the wrong thing. I don't think I want to be a part of that. And I feel like this helps showcase that for a lot of people who maybe don't have the confidence to go and say, hey, man, what you just said was wrong. Please yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Even little things like that found the book to be super beautiful. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that I think people just are used to accepting. And so I think books that teach you how to listen and when to speak up are, are really important. Yeah, no doubt. And the last book of the year is one that I didn't discover until a month ago. I actually know it was written at the very early part of the year in February. as a book called Minor Feelings by Hong. And it, it deals with a, a minority uh, that is in the Northwest a lot that doesn't get as much discussion, and that's Asians, Southeast Asians. Hmm. And this book kind of talks about their place in society in, in the U.S. It's called An Asian American Reckoning. Uh, so, you know, they're torn between two cultures. They want to have respect for their Asian heritage, but want to be American. So you have this hard time. And my parents are immigrants. I, I feel that from just being from Europe. There's so many traditions I don't want to continue, and there's so many I do, but I think it's a lot more difficult for Asians to, I think, respect their family a little bit more than our European friends. They have almost obligation to their parents where they don't get to live their own life, which Mm. is unfortunate in many ways. So this book kind of talks about how to achieve that balance, and she's an essayist and a poet, the author. Kathy Park Hong is her name. Mm-hmm. Just good questions to put out to people who I think may be feeling these things that they don't know that others are as well. So it's very intimate. It's very devastating. It's depressing and shameful for the <laughs> poor author who wrote it. You could tell they put everything out there. Yeah. But that made it really beautiful to me. Uh, that's like the most underrated top five for me of the year. That just popped up. And boy, it's beautiful. Minor Feelings by Hong. Thank you, Eric, for sharing your thoughtful picks and always interesting insights. You can find his top five titles and more recommendations from the entire Pegasus staff online at pegasusbookshop.com. That's it for this bonus episode of Always West Seattle. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening.